0: Kennedy got feed. He's going oh. to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking center shot. They score! They score!
1: And
0: it's good! It's good! He won't go anywhere. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion.
2: Live from Impact Studios. The only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host,
1: Fino. That is right. Your host, Fino, alongside. Hey, welcome to The Pack. Thanks for listening, everyone. We got a big show planned for you this evening. Michigan State Football Media Day was today. I was there since 12 p.m. today, Faith, and we were spending time over on... The drive with Jack Ebling, spending time with Jack and Doug Warren, and every all the media personnel had a little lunch there at the Huntington Club, fourth floor of Spartan Stadium. Beautiful area, never been up there, and I thought it was an outstanding facility, and more importantly, an outstanding club. And there's nothing more I enjoy more than some nice clubs and some nice foods, and that definitely was um, one of them, one of the nicest one. The Antonio press conference at two o'clock it was very interesting. We'll talk about that as we'll talk Michigan State football for the first half hour of the show. And then throughout the second half hour of the show, we are going to talk about the Detroit Tigers. We haven't gotten a chance to talk with you folks since the trading deadline, so we'll debate about the Tigers' rotation. Do they have the best rotation in baseball? Do they even have the best rotation in the American League? Sit tight, listen in, all ears here on 88.9 FM, as we are going to take you all the way to the top of the hour, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, before the Asian Invasion music show will take you away there. But Faith. And I bring in Faith, my panelist here on the show. No Austin today, but we do have you, Faith. And happy belated birthday to you as you were celebrating a wonderful weekend away, maybe not in Margaritaville, <laughs> but in the next best thing, Traverse City.
0: Yes, thank you so much. I'm happy to be back, though. It's good to have you back. Absolutely. I mean, it was a great weekend. I was with my family up in Traverse City, mm-hmm. so I enjoyed it on the beach, ran every day. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you had an absolute wonderful time. I could tell by some of the pictures you showed me. It was really wonderful. I'm glad you spent a great birthday there as well. And the man behind the glasses always, we got him back as well. John Yales, if I can recall too, you were up north, but even further north. And I swear the UP is civilization, right?
3: Yeah, I, I was away up there this time. Where were you? Farther uh good hundred miles west of Marquette. Oh so, wow. So I, I was out there. I was so, completely separated for a good seven so days.
1: Pretty much cheese country. You were almost in Wisconsin.
3: Ah uh, not that far. Okay. I was still East of the Keweenaw, but.
0: How okay. many hours?
3: From East Lansing? Yep. Uh, probably a good 10 hours. <sighs>
1: Man. Put it like that. That's why I flew from, home. Uh, yeah, and he flew home. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's just put that in perspective, folks. To get to my home in New Jersey from East Lansing, 10 hours. 10 hours and 15 minutes. We'll call it 10 hours. John Yale's on the Michigan or Upper Peninsula, 10 hours to get back to East Lansing. Yeah, I would get on a flight back home as well, John.
3: <laughs> well, from where I'm from in Monroe, like, you can, if you're going in the UP. You can get to New York before you get out of the UP if you go that way. So,
1: Which is unbelievable. Yeah, which just is think about.
3: crazy to think that we have that much land.
1: Yeah, Michigan has that much land. People forget Michigan is just as populated as the great state of New Jersey. So, like I mentioned, we'll talk Michigan State football for the first half hour of the show. And the second half hour of the show... We'll talk Detroit Tigers baseball. As I mentioned, the first time we're sharing and talking with you folks since the trading deadline, we'll talk about the David Price acquisition as well as they play the Yankees on ESPN or Fox Sports Detroit. If you want to hang with Mario Mpemba and, and Rod Allen, they'll take you all the way till that game is over. And I got a couple things to get out my chest. My guy, Max Scherzer, 13-3, 327 ERA, who still is the Tigers ace of this staff. This weekend faith, I got very acquainted with Tigers baseball I spent it in Detroit. Fiesta Tigres. They were wearing the special Tigres shirts, celebrating uh, Latino and Spanish baseball heritage. What a great facility. They honored Ivan Pudge Rodriguez, Puerto puertorriqueño, Puerto Rican. So I thought that was an absolute wonderful ceremony laid by Dave Dombrowski. Uh, really remarkable because I really didn't realize, and you, of course you realize, but you never Really, fully grasp and fathom what Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez did for the Detroit Tigers franchise. He's did so much. In two thousand four, his or two, yeah, it was two thousand four. That was his first season as a Tiger. I believe it was in May. He had forty two hits in a month. He had over five hundred in a month. Find me any one of on the Mets that can do that. They can't even do that in a season. Pretty unbelievable stuff. So we'll save the Tigers banter and debate until the second half hour of our show. We'll zone right in here. If you want to give us a call and embrace the Spartan debate with us, 517-432-3893 is our number. We'll take you through our first break, which will be around 7, 16 p.m. We'll bring in our, uh, our Michigan State football beat reporter and the host of Spartan Rev Zone here on Impact Sports. Dan Tyler will be with us. I saw him over there at the Huntington Club on Media Day. We got a chance to converse and talk about so I know he's got a lot of good bites from Media Day as well. So we'll welcome him to the show after that first break, Faith. But let's talk about my first debate topic here with Michigan State football. And, and we kind of had a chance to debate this last week with Harry Jaden and Lou DeVizio, our former PAC panelist. But Faith, Michigan State football, you know, we talked about the standard and the expectations for this team. I brought that up to them, and they seem very optimistic. And the question was brought up, I forget what reporter asked the question, But how does this team cope and deal with success? And I think that, to me, is the biggest topic. Because historically, Michigan State has not dealt with success well. And anyone that says they have, you're wrong. Because in my opinion, Michigan State has never had this much success in a season. The road to the Rose Bowl in the 80s was way different and less treacherous, in my opinion, than to get to the Rose Bowl now. You have a Big Ten championship game. You have a neutral field to go through an Ohio State team that's playing very well. So to me, Faith, the expectations are at an all-time high. It's whether Michigan State can live up to those expectations.
0: I completely agree. I heard actually a few reporters were asking about asking Coach D'Antonio about the national championship and if those were even on the horizons for the Michigan State Spartan team. And, you know, it is. Do the Spartans love to live up to the hype? They won, you know, the Big Ten championship last year, Connor Cook's MVP, and also the Rose Bowl. They win the Rose Bowl, and Connor Cook is, again, MVP. So what is what do the Spartans have to look forward to this year? Or what are fans going to expect?
1: Well, that's the thing, Faith. What are they going to expect? They're going to expect a winner. When you win 42 games in four years at here at Michigan State, fans are starting to get acclimated and used to success. I think I was talking to Ben Flieger, uh, sports information director over at the Michigan State Athletic Department. He was telling me, you know, Fino, we're seeing record-breaking numbers for season tickets and season ticket sales.
0: higher than ever.
1: Higher than ever. And why shouldn't they be? Because Michigan State is coming off a plethora of success, and how can they cope with it? I think that's the big thing to me. Jacksonville State, can they set the standard and beat Jacksonville State? I think they will. But that game against Oregon is going to be a tough test early. Now, can they meet that expectation of a national championship? Because for me, if you don't get to the national championship, you don't. You don't grow on your success. To me, the big thing about Michigan State is sustaining the success that they've had. Now, I don't realistically expect Michigan State to make the playoffs, and I don't expect Michigan State to make the Rose Bowl again. Now, that's not, that doesn't mean I don't think they can do it. All I'm saying is I don't believe it's reasonable to have that type of expectation. And when you sit back and look at it as a fan, as a media personnel like we are, and watch these games and how they play, Connor Cook has yet to have a full season of quarterbacking play under his belt. And we're looking at Connor Cook. I saw him over at Media Day.
0: Did you get a chance to talk to him?
1: I honestly did not get a chance to talk to him because I was on air on WVFM for The Drive with Jack Ebling, But a lot of other media personnel were talking to me, and they were saying, you know what, Fino? This is the first time Connor Cook has gone into the season, everything established. There's really no question marks. I was talking to Mike Tressel, special teams coach, Michigan State. Mark Geiger has been absolutely phenomenal. I think he was 15 for 16 last year. He was. Now he's a true sophomore. So you're looking at a lot of other question marks. You went into last season with no quarterbacking situation. I know it's not a big deal, but the kicker in college football to me is very big. I'm watching Big Ten Classics, Michigan State versus Georgia Outback Bowl. How the kicker played in effect. Blair Walsh, the old kicker for Georgia. Michigan State had no business winning that game against Georgia. They got bad special teams play and a bad kick and a couple missed opportunities from their kicker, Blair Walsh, who was their senior at the time, who was a very established player. So now you look in for Michigan State. Let's fast forward now to 2014. You have an established kicker. To me, you have an established receiving core. You have an established running back. You have an established quarterback. Last year, Michigan State did not go in there. With an established quarterback. Are they starting Maxwell? It's Connor Cook. At one point, Cook played so bad earlier in the season last year. They were chanting for Damian Terry. I forget who it was. They were chanting for Damian Terry. Now, is that fair to Connor Cook? Of course not. But you're coming off again. Le'Veon Bell leaves to go to the NFL. You don't know what you're getting out of Jeremy Langford. No one expected Jeremy Langford to be a 1,000-yard running back. But he ends up coming to be... That running back that runs for seven straight games of hundred yards or more.
0: So you're left with a lot of question marks. Like correct?
1: Last year you left so many question marks starting off that season. So to me, you look at the ambiance. I know I wasn't a part of last year's Spartan Media Day, but you look at this Michigan State Spartans team. This Media Day, there's a swagger, there's a chip on their shoulder, and they asked Mark D'Antonio, Now you are trying to be, you're trying to be hunt and go about hunting the better team. Now they ask, what is it like to be the hunted? And Mark D'Antonio corrected that reporter, said, one of the hunted. And he's right.
0: Everybody else is out there as well. You know,
1: Michigan State's not the only team you're trying to trek after. Ohio State's a great team. Ohio State has won 24 straight games before that loss to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game last year in December. So, John Yales, let's bring you back in this thing. And I'm curious to know what you think, because I think Michigan State, how they handle the pressure early in the season – is going to be the key factor on how they play against Oregon. Well,
3: I think the Oregon game is the first one that is going to kind of decide the whole season. Yeah, Jacksonville
1: State, if they
3: come out slow, it'll be somewhat expected, but it's still you can rebound from that. It's the Oregon game. If they get demolished, I think that changes the season. I don't, I don't know if you can come back and make a Big Ten or win a Big ten, ten championship with uh, losing by 20, 30 points yeah. at Oregon. Yeah,
1: interesting tabloid for you. Mark D'Antonio, and I think Pat Narduzzi, they're already practicing Jacksonville State plays. Coach Narduzzi likened Jacksonville State to an Appalachian State today, a media day. So when you're making those comparisons of Appalachian State to Jacksonville State, you know, Appalachian State is a team, and ironically Michigan is playing Appalachian State this year, they're a team that, A, they're Division One AA, but they can go out and surprise you. And Michigan State's taking nothing for granted, as they should. Well,
3: he's being careful, so he doesn't get caught when they lose or something right. like that. That's saying they're just going to walk over this team or whatever. So he can't come out and say, yeah, we're not even thinking about this team. We don't have to think about him." But it, it's just PR.
1: It's PR, but you know what? I still think—
3: Do you ja- honestly think Jacksonville State will win the game?
1: No, but I still— So
3: probably D'Antonio thinks the same thing, but he's being smart with the press.
1: Well, because he has a way better team. I would hope so. He doesn't think they would win. And
3: if he said anything like that, then there would, would actually shop, be news at the media. they would chop him up,
1: and he doesn't want that. When it comes down to it, John, when you really look at it, Jacksonville State is a respectable team in my opinion. I think Jacksonville State can go out and beat – I think they could give a team like Central Michigan a run for their money. I've been watching a lot of Jacksonville State. They could give a team of Dan Enos and that team over at Central. They can give them a run, John. They can give them a run. So I'm not saying that they're going to win – I'm just saying, watch out for this team, Faith. Is that is that a fair statement to make?
0: No, it's a fair statement, but I also question who else is Michigan State have to watch out for? Obviously, on Ohio's their schedule. On their schedule, absolutely. So you got Ohio State, you got Oregon. I know some people questioned uh, who else: Maryland, Rutgers. Pe- you know the people who are joining the Big I think, Ten. Hold on,
1: I think I think Maryland is just going to be a total joke.
0: I, I I I mean, I think Maryland. What about the Rutgers, though?
1: I don't think Rutgers is going to be a joke. I think Rutgers is going to be a great team, and the only reason why I'm saying that is Maryland already, Maryland already always sets the bar way too high. Way too high, and they never can set that standard. So when I'm looking at it, I can see what Rutgers is going to bring. You know what you're going to get at Rutgers. Eight bowl games made, or nine, nine bowl games in eight in, sorry, eight bowl games in nine seasons. I promise I can get this right. So they've made bowl games repeatedly throughout their somewhat brief career in the recent years, in this decade. So they're doing a good job. Now, Maryland is not doing a bad job either. They got to the Military Bowl last year. Kudos to Maryland. They're doing a fine job. But to me, you can't set the bar too high.
0: I mean, for Michigan State, me personally, I'm thinking set the bar low. Let's say Big Ten Championship. I'm going to expect that. And if they go bigger or better, then great.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, fine. But to me, it's very easy. So when you set the bar, Okay, When you set the bar nice and low, when you when you out, absolutely just outreach those expectations to always you know, succeed those expectations, it's going to be a great season in your eyes. But when you set the bar too high and fall short, a.k.a. Michigan Wolverines, when you set the bar so high and never come out to that level, yes, Tom Crawford calling you out, guess what? It's going to be a terrible season. And that's why Brady Hoke is on the hot seat because when you win – a BCS game on a Sugar Bowl against a Virginia Tech team that realistically shouldn't be there to begin with, another topic, another debate, and you go out there and you win, you win eleven games that year, and the ensuing years from that have been somewhat disappointing, then you could see why your coach is on the hot seat. Michigan State does everything right. It's building blocks. It's building blocks, it's setting the tone. And that's what it comes down to is setting the tone. When we come back here on The pack, we'll continue to day Michigan State football. We'll analyze our debate in a little bit of a depth chart. And we welcome Dan Tyler here to the show, a WDBM MSU Impact Sports reporter. Stay tuned here on The Pact here on WDBM East Lansing.
0: You're listening to The Pact
2: on 88.9 FM, WDBM East Lansing. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council.
0: For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings
2: you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pack.
1: That is right. We continue to embrace the Spartan debate. Thank you, the nostalgic Lou DiVizio for that nice introduction. Fino taking you all the way to the 8 o'clock hour here on The Pact on 88.9 FM. 517-432-3893 is our number hotline. John Yale's answering all our calls behind the glass, producing the show, doing a great job as usual. We have Tyler Beck, our social media guy as well, tweeting about the show at MSU Impact Sports on Twitter. But Faith, let me ask you this because I think it was a little week, about a week and a half ago, we had our USA Today poll. The first coaches poll came out. MSU, ooh, that's right, eighth, ranked eighth in the preseason coaches poll. And let me ask you this, Faith, because you know we've had a lot of debate on whether these preseason rankings for players matter. And I'm going to ask another fiery question at you, girl. What do you think? Do you think these preseason rankings matter?
0: I personally don't. Because Dang. the way I look at it, if like, let's look at the top five teams that ranked last year at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Florida State was ranked number 12 in the preseason rankings, but they ended number one. They won the Aub-
1: national title. Yes. So Auburn fair.
0: didn't even get ranked at the beginning of the season. Michigan State, not ranked. They ended third. South Carolina was number seven. They ended fourth. And Missouri, not even ranked. And I mean, in the six of the past seven seasons, at least three preseason top 10 teams finished with four or more losses. So when I look at all these stats, I don't care about these preseason rankings.
1: Look, I don't care about them either. And when it comes down to it, I think they matter somewhat. I just don't really care about them. I think they're a load of crap if you want my honest opinion. But when you look at it now, the whole selection process for the playoff is totally different. Now, sadly, back in the BCS era, Faith, these rankings did matter. Because all that calculated and factored into the BCS rankings and standings. And that would formulate who would go where. So now at this coaches poll, you mentioned it. You give me a lot of great examples. And I could tell you some examples of mine that don't matter. Texas has done nothing, but they're 24 in the coaches poll. Why? I don't know.
0: Well, isn't this this is all ranked by coaches. So well, Antonio's gonna know all the Big Ten teams, but he might not know anybody in the SEC, you know. So how does this? How can they even put these out there? And how can anybody put any faith in them? It's, exactly. It's,
1: it's what I'm telling you. It's junk. Okay. USC didn't do anything. Okay. And Ed Erdron, they have a new coach. Very average season. USC has done nothing. They're ranked 15. UCLA, that's a great team. I love UCLA. Okay, that's a good team. Now, who in the right mind, as a coach, I guarantee it was probably Steve Spurrier. South Carolina got a first place vote. That's a load of junk. And if you, okay, look at all the teams that got first place votes. Florida State got 56 of them, as they should. They won the national title. And to me, anytime you're the national championship, you should be on the top of the mountain until you get toppled. Fair. Oklahoma got a first place or three first place votes. Now, yes, they did win the Sugar Bowl last year against Royal Tide. So, in my opinion, that's justified. Oregon gets a vote, fine. Ohio State gets a vote, fine. But South Carolina? What? That's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. When now bring on our WDBM MSU Impact Sports Football Reporter. He's the host of Sparring Red Zone here on impact89fm.org slash sports. We welcome to the show, Dan Tyler. Dan, what's going on, pal? For me on. Yeah, it's good to have you on the show. Uh, let me ask you this. Can D- you hear me? Yeah, can you, Dan? Can you hear me? Can we re- yeah, John. Can we just yeah? Can we reconnect with uh Dan Tyler? We're having a little technical difficulties on that one. Yeah, unbelievable. Couldn't even hear him. And we'll get Dan reconnected, John. If you want to reconnect him as well. But l- let me before. I just you know what, Faith. Honestly. These rank I'm I'm so I am so mad I even asked you. <laughs> You're at loss for words. No, no, no. I'm not at a loss for words. I'm actually really mad I asked you this question because I think the whole rankings are a joke. And I got in a fight with one of my friends, Al, about the well, preseason player rankings. And that's, does this matter? I think they don't matter. And you could see Coach Antonio doesn't really care about these rankings. He doesn't care about the flattering. I think he was asked a question by Hondo Carpenter at Spartan Nation. They asked and Hondo asked Coach D'Antonio, Coach you were voted by the players of the Big Ten, the one coach they would all love to play for. How do you feel about this and going forward? You know, Coach Steve, very diplomatic. Look, that's very flattering, but they're not my kids. They're not the guys that I play for. Play for me, rather.
0: He only cares about who's playing for him.
1: Exactly. Who is wearing the green and white? And that's what they care about. So I don't know if you folks care. Feel free to call in a debate. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. if you really think these rankings matter. But you could see what Mark D'Antonio thought about, oh, he's the most flattering and they'd all love to play for Coach D'Antonio. Yeah, I would love to play for a coach that just won a Rose Bowl as well. Because no one wants to play for Urban Meyer, to be honest. I don't like Urban Meyer at all. Urban Meyer, wh- let me ask you this, Faith. Urban Meyer, now he coached at Utah, very successful at Utah, very successful at Florida, very successful somewhat at Ohio State what is his legacy? What is his legacy? If you had to, if you had to ask Urban Meyer, what is one school that represents you? When you look at Mark D'Antoni, he would most likely say Michigan State.
0: He would say Michigan State. I think he would as
1: well. But you look at this guy, Urban Meyer, this guy, the, the coaching carousel in football is ridiculous. In college football, especially. And you're looking at Urban Meyer, and he's won national championship with Florida, Tim Tebow very successful, but to me he doesn't have an identity, which is why everyone is so surprised that Michigan State is stealing these recruits from the Ohio states. No, no, no. Urban Meyer doesn't have – Urban Meyer does absolutely not have an identity, and that's my problem with Urban Meyer. There's no identity with him, Faith, and that's why they're stealing these recruits.
0: Hey, before you say recruits, wasn't it uh, Khalil Gaines? Yeah, Khalil Gaines. Yep, third prospect that had an offer from Alabama as well. He signed with us. I mean, what does that say about Michigan State's program? Because if you're looking, I mean, I know you're talking about Ohio State, but I'm saying Michigan State is stealing prospects from Alabama, roll tide. Roll tide? What does this say about Michigan State as a program and as a team?
1: I think what it says about Michigan State is they're going out and they're going to places where they haven't recruited or had a lot of successful or a lot of success in recruits. Michigan State has not had a lot of success out of state on these big time guys. To me, The star and the prestige rankings and rival and scout don't matter. But what does it say about Michigan State? It says that Michigan State's legitimate. You have a coach with an identity. You have a program with an identity. Not like an Urban Meyer who just bolts.
0: Gaines, I believe, was ranked a three-star. Three-star. But even he said, you know, he said don't pay attention to it. Because you look at Darquez Denard that was, I believe, a three-star as well. Kirk Cousins was a two-star. Exactly. So you're seeing all these players that Michigan State, you know, takes and that nobody really else is looking at. And they make them into All-Stars.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, John, did we reconnect with uh, Dan Tyler? Is he on the line?
3: Yeah, we're going to try to see how it sounds. If it's not good, let's just drop it.
1: I think well, I, it's got to sound good. It's got to sound good. You know, got to believe. You got Mets. That's the Mets slogan. You got to believe. And we got to believe we have Dan Tyler on the line here with us. DT, can you hear us now?
4: Yeah, I'm all good over here. Can you guys hear me? Yeah,
1: we got you. Then you were left on speakerphone for whoever was using the studio last. Oh, Excuse me, we apologize that to our listeners as well for the bad sound quality, but we hear you loud and clear, DT. And Dan Tyler is our WDBM MSU Impact Sports lead football reporter, he is the host of Spartan Red Zone here on Impact 89 slash sports DT, what did you what are some things that you got out of Media Day, Michigan State's Media Day from being there at the Huntington Club?
4: Um, you know, the biggest thing that I took away from it, and it's, it's the same thing I've been taking away from everything I've read and heard from the guys in the off season, is that this team really has their mind in the right place. Um, something that D'Antonio has been preaching this offseason is, is handling success. And I can tell that from D'Antonio all the way down to the rest of the coaching staff and the players, they've really bought into that mentality. A lot of times, you know, you'll see a team that reached the amount of success that we did last, but to feel themselves a little bit too much in the in the following season after that. But you know, these guys really understand that that was just the stepping stone, and they're trying to move on to bigger and better things this upcoming year.
1: Dan, you could see that when you know you and I we were sitting there, we were listening to Mark D'Antonio at the at Spartan Media Day today, and you could see that there are bigger aspirations for Michigan State. There are higher expectations than ever. And I think the big thing is how to handle that success. Curious to know what you think about if Michigan State can have attainable, constant success this season.
4: Uh, I really do. Um, you know they got a they got a great winning formula going on there. This um, these these past you know four or five seasons, really things have been really turning up for them under under Mark Dantonio, and I think. The talent's there. The schedule, other than, you know, at Oregon is tough. But other than that, things are pretty favorable yeah. for us. And, you know, these guys got a taste of winning. You know, they're not going to just back down from it now. So I really think that last year was in the past, and this year they can do bigger and better things.
0: You know, Dan, I have a question. I'm looking forward to this 2014 season for the Spartans, but you're putting back that defense together. You don't have that Darquez Denard, Max Bulla, Danikos Allen. Yeah, you do you have to replace six starters here. But you've got Curtis Drummond coming in, Trey Wayne, Shalit Calhoun. But my question is, is do these guys have enough experience to fill these holes from the, you know, Denard, Bulla, Allen? Do they have enough experience or is there gonna be a kind of a drop off there on the defensive end?
4: Um, you know, I think that's going to vary a little bit uh, uh, depending on position unit. Um, there are guys that obviously have great experience, like a lot of the guys that you mentioned. Um, someone that, that flies under the radar a lot that I think deserves a little more credit is the defensive end playing opposite Lee Calhoun, Marcus Rush, who I believe yeah. is, is set up as going to break the MSU record for starts this upcoming year. Yeah,
1: he's four-year starter. People forget. this guy, Marcus. Yeah. This guy Marcus Rush started as a freshman.
4: Yeah, Marcus Rush is, you know, he has more experience and, and knowledge of the system, one could argue, maybe even than Max Bola did last year, although Max Bola was a little bit more the center of that defense, kind of the quarterback of the defense. Marcus Rush has been under Narduzzi for his whole Michigan State career, yeah. and he's been playing almost every single game, starting almost every single game, except for one, I believe. So there will be experience there. There also is some decent inexperience. The linebacking core is is really the least experienced group, I would say. But still, there's a guy there at middle linebacker like Tawan Jones who's seen some starts. Uh, is in his fourth year coming up in the system, and and you know he can really help lead some of those younger guys like Darian Harris, Ed Davis, even uh, Max's younger bro- brother Riley on that uh, that linebacking group. So yeah. Experience will be a little bit of an issue early, I think, and it's tough that you have such an early game like the one against Oregon to kind of throw some of these younger guys into uh, I think there's enough experience to help get them through it and, and certainly enough talent to help them get them through that as well.
1: We're talking with Dan Tyler, a host of Spartan Red Zone here at Impact Sports, WDBME Slansing. And, you know, Dan, I'm, I'm looking here at the media guy they gave us over at Spartan Media Day, and I'm looking at Marcus Rush's stats, and, you know, one doesn't forgets to realize how many games he has started. He's played at forty-one, started in forty games, and you alluded to it. He will break the record in starts this year. You know the guy has seventy-one. That's right, seventy-one games or tackle for losses, one hundred seventeen. It's just unreal when you look at these stats. It's just totally unbelievable, John.
3: I got a question for you, Fino, and also Dan. Um,
1: Sorry, I got caught up reading the stats. What am I, chopped lever over here? You might no. be.
3: Well, fa- you weren't there. I'm asking <laughs> for people who were there. Um, What do you guys think was like the most valuable piece of news that came out of Media Day? Because I've always been under the assumption that these Media Days are... It's a little PR. It's, everyone's excited that football's coming sh- up. It's but it's schmoozing. It's, it's the second practice. Like no one really third, knows anything. Third. All right, third. <laughs> sorry, out of three hundred or whatever. Um. So, what was the most valuable piece that you guys heard, either like a quote or something uh, from someone?
1: I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you what the the most valuable piece for me. And I know it's it goes. It's a very repeated stat, but to me, it's how focused Coach Narduzzi. And Coach D'Antonio said this team is. Because they said earlier this spring, Coach Narduzzi was not happy with how unfocused and undisciplined the team was. And he said this team has been a, has gone a long way. And he's finally starting to see that this team is locked in and focused. So to me, and I saw the interview with Curtis Drummond today on the drive, that guy is locked in. And I don't know about you, DT, but to me, Michigan State, I got out of that that they're focused, they're locked in, and they can make a lot of people pay by their great play this season.
4: Yeah, you know, I definitely got to agree with that. Um, these guys have all built into the system. Uh, they really have They've bought into the system as well. And, you know, like you said, that's the perfect way to put it. They're locked in. They, they obviously loved what happened last season, but – more is there to grab, more is there to take. And they've always yeah. had a little chip on their shoulder being the less talked about team. A lot of these guys are the less talked about players. I heard you guys talking a little bit about stars and recruiting rankings earlier. Um, you know, there's a lot of these guys that were two, three stars being passed up by some of these teams that they're going out there and beating. Uh, my favorite piece of information I took from it, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you've heard a lot through the off season. Something I I found out just, Talking offhand, like off the record with some of the guys, I was asking them what the new song is going to be in the locker room. Yeah. the big wins and stuff. What um, is it? No I heard sound. unofficially this is uh, – now it's the summer. But I heard they're throwing out the song uh, Money Dance by Bobby Smurder. Okay. She's coming up, new guy in uh, out of New York. He got famous off of a funny vine. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I have not like, seen it. throws his fitted hat in the air and just starts grooving. Um, so, so that that unofficially, as of now, I've heard is the new locker what, room So on. let me let me get that again. What is this song called? Schmoney dance. So it's sh- like money, but money <laughs> dance by who? Bobby Schmurda.
1: Okay, we got <laughs> wow. This
4: sh- All right, we'll leave check you with it that. Out. It's maybe not. Maybe don't put it on the air. if You know <laughs> what I mean? But yeah, check it out at your own discretion later sometime. It's a good song, nice little jam. I can see them rocking out in the locker room. All right, it. Not,
1: but you know what? Whatever brings them success, Dan. Dan, thanks so much for calling in and getting uh, the little report from you from Spartan Media Day over there from the Huntington Club at Spartan Stadium. Dan, all the best. We look to talk to you soon throughout the season.
4: All right, for sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. You got it,
1: DT. Thanks so much. That's Dan Tyler, the host of Spartan Red Zone here at MSU Impact Sports over in the Hold It All Basement WDBM. We're going to take a quick break here, though, on the Pact when we come back. That's right. We have Tony Garcia, our lead baseball Tigers reporter. He's the host of Tiger Talk here on WDBM, MSU Impact Sports. We'll bring him. We'll talk about the David Price trade. I know we've been trying to do a podcast for a while. So guess what, Tony? We're going to debate on the Pact live right after the break. Keep it here on WDBM East Lansing.
2: You're listening to
0: Impact Explosion.
4: Now, back to
0: Impact Exposure.
1: That is right. Impact Exposure. The Pact, your host, Fino, taking you all the way to the 8 o'clock hour. Yep, that's right. Fino with faith. John Yales behind the glass. And we welcome, in studio, not over the phone, no mechanical uh, upsetting news. We welcome Tony Garcia, the lead reporter for Tiger Talk, Tigers baseball on The Pact here. Tony, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on The Pact finally. I promise that podcast is coming soon. It's coming soon, huh? Within a day or two. But, uh, you know, good to be here at your beautiful smiling faces.
1: Uh, Thanks, Stone. Uh, It's good to have you on the show. There's a lot to talk about. There really is. Because the Tigers have made a big acquisition, and we haven't been on air on The Pact talking about the Tigers' acquisition of David Price. To me, they got him for free. They got him for free. And my biggest discussion with you is... Did the Tigers rob Tampa Bay? Because honestly, it's like they robbed the store, they took their best pitcher, and guess what? They didn't leave any candy behind for Joe Madden to enjoy.
2: They certainly didn't. Took the lunch money, dropped their pants on them, and ran. It was it was brutal if you're a Tampa Bay's Rays fan, but, I mean, you know, coming from the Detroit Tigers end, it's it was a thing of beauty. I mean, you have to accept that you are going to give up something when you're getting someone uh, the caliber of uh, David Price. But, I mean, if you're going left-handed pitcher for left-handed pitcher, David Price is a no-brainer over Drew Smiley. Even though Smiley's young and has potential, yes. And then you're going to have to throw something in on top of that. Austin Jackson, even though he was one of my favorites, I had an article a little bit earlier in the year Mm -hmm. about why he was going to be the key. And you can tell uh that I don't exactly know what's gonna go on in the he'll be the with, key for Seattle now. Yeah, now he will be as they try to make that push for the to catch the Angels and Oakland. But back to the point, I mean with all this with this uh platoon well, of outfielders that yeah. the Tigers had, there there was room to play with and no, adding that adding that fourth starter, I or fourth yeah type dominant starter, counting Porcello not as a dominant starter. Look out if you're playing the Tigers. Well, well, hold on
1: there because, you know, you mentioned that they had a plethora of outfielders to deal with. I think the Tigers' outfield is terrible. It's still terrible. And when you look at it, they have a great rotation because they're in an arms race with Oakland. And to me, I think Oakland still has a better rotation than the Tigers because Oakland is very strategic in what they do. Now, I sell this. Now, Oakland does not have the hitters the Tigers have. So if Oakland is going to beat Detroit, they'll have to stymie those hitters somehow. And the only reason why I'm saying that is John Lester is a guy with more playoff success. Now the difference why this deal made more sense for Detroit to acquire Price was because that way – Price is under control, not only for the rest of this year, but all of next year. This pretty much shows Max Scherzer the door, and John Lester is most likely, in my opinion, a rental and going back to Boston.
0: And because the Tigers acquire Price now, they have that one year, especially if Max Scherzer is done after this year, wants He's to done. become a free agent. You no, know I mean he is. Yes. So after they the Tigers will still have a one year to plan out this long term deal if they really want to keep Price in Detroit. Which this is why one reason why I really like this deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like the deal because you're not only thinking about this year, you're thinking about next year. Because-
2: and I believe with with David Price, what I've been hearing is they're looking to offer him the exact same six-year $144 million that they were looking to offer to Max Scherzer. And he'll and shut shut they that have down. the
1: money for it. And he'll shut honestly. it down.
2: You think he'll shut it down? Yes, because, he, he's dude, he's the second-best left-hander in baseball. Hands down. Who is better
1: than him? Well, Clayton Kershaw. Forget Kershaw. That, that's why I said second best. Who is better than him, not including Clayton Kershaw?
2: No one. He's absolutely the best you in the American League. Sup? People if people are talking about John Lester as this, as this huge impact he's, to trade deadline. He's huge. He's huge. I mean in the World Series his his best uh his point four three ERA is the best all time in the World Series. He, I don't know the minimum pitcher. innings uh pitch that you need, so he is a big time playoff pitcher. But if you're looking at the at his numbers against just teams like the Tigers I don't see what people see. I don't see him as a, a, as a David Price, Chris Sale, I'll Clayton say, Kershaw. No, he, I mean, he's, a, he's he, a Quintana.
3: He's having but, a career year right now. He's a Joe Flacco. He's going to have oh, a, get cre- out of here, he's having a career year at the perfect time so he can get traded. And then he, he, he looks great, so he'll get a payday off of it when he's basically a mediocre, above-average starting pitcher. Are, he, we s-
1: are we seriously saying John Lester is having a career year? He are we? is.
3: He is. Look at the numbers. His, um, his, that's his width the is all he, time. Go for it, John. No, no, I'm just no, saying he, he's, no. he's he's having a career year. That's no, the reason he got no, traded. No. That's why Oakland oh, picked him up.
2: No,
1: and no. he's going to get a payday
3: because having, of it. But he's, he's, not, he's never going to live up to this John, year again.
1: Stop. He's not having a career year because you look in 2009 when you or 2010, I should say, 19 and nine, three two five ERA, and. Two hundred and twenty-five strikeouts.
0: Let's look at more recent years.
1: Okay, but that's still faith. That is the question: Was is John Lester having a career year? And that is not a career year because right now he's eleven and seven. Yes, he has the ERA right to prove it. He does not have the strikeouts. So, no, in my opinion, he's not having a career year. I think wins and losses is not a, a a big stat, and it's not a big stat. He's having a good year, not a career year. Before we say this guy's having a career year, let's wait. Before the season is over. All I'm saying is in the playoffs John Lester is great lefties are a premium and he's lights
2: out. All I I can't I can't let you can't let you just take this stand because <laughs> what do you mean the, 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 <laughs> to define, you, what, at, the term career year is having uh, the best year uh, of your career okay yes <laughs> but i mean but there's there's a there's a scale it's not black what? and white there so and, what are you saying? his bet he has a 259 era great the bet the best he was ever before that was three two was three two five that's not even close yeah and he's his career era is three six four and it's two five nine that's over one run a game less his strikeouts might not be up but fine his home runs, he's only given up nine home runs this season. We're over two-thirds of the that way year, through this season. That
1: he's, year, he gave up 14. That I, year that I said he's had a career year, he gave up 14 home runs. Same pace. I, I will bet. Yeah, No, no, no. The pace, eh. You know, I will bet you, Tony, that he will give up more than 14 home runs this year. In this year, John Lester.
2: I, I've heard you I've heard you put a lunch on things with Faith. Do we have to do this live? <laughs> do we need to, do we no, need to no, put no, a lunch you don't get, on this? You don't get a lunch. Okay. A, no, no, no. no.
1: I don't make bets. Must Um, not be
2: confident, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: You know what? This is a challenge. You know, I I... got
2: eyes coming from you all over.
1: Wow. (laughs) Fine, we could do the lunch. Wherever you want to do it, we'll do the lunch. I guarantee you, yeah, we can shake hands. We're shaking on
2: it, everybody. Okay,
1: it's legitimate, everyone. You didn't see the handshake, but when it comes down to it, I will promise you, John Lester will give up more than 14 home runs. And if he gives up 14 home runs, I still win.
0: So I guess the question here for me, at least I want to ask you guys, is how does John Lester compare to David Price? So David Price is now with the Tigers, so comparing the two. The
1: strategy is different, Faith. Okay, that's the difference. When you look at Oakland, the Tigers still made the right move. I'm not saying they made the wrong move in acquiring David Price because they're acquiring him with a pitcher with a chance to improve your chances of winning a World Series this year and be under team control next year. Okay? Oakland is going with a different mentality. They know they can't offer teams $200 million. Their owner doesn't do that. They have a different philosophy. So they're just going in trying to win the World Series now because you're an Oakland fan if you don't win the World Series this year, you're not winning it because that's the way Oakland's built.
2: You hit the nail on the head with that one in terms of long-term versus week versus we got to win now. We see our window of, of opportunity. But if we're comparing David Price to John Lester, in my humble opinion, I believe it's like looking at apples to oranges. No. David Price... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I don't like Lester. I love Price. David Price leads the major major leagues in innings pitched, 170 and two thirds. He also leads the league with 189 strikeouts. Those two are never correlated. Usually, innings. Listen, innings Tony, pitched.
1: Tony, you're giving me a headache, John. Do you have Advil? Because <laughs> oh, no, I because... have
3: I have some stats to maybe help you, Fino. Okay. Um. The thing about David, yeah, he's great in the regular he's season. Like a, one,
1: what's he in the postseason like? He's, a five ERA. Five, he's two, terrible.
3: He hasn't had a lot of experience. What's his experience. He has. He's, he's one he's four in four with Series. a five zero six ERA, he's, and he's zero and four in f- with a five eight one ERA and starts in starts. But in the Look playoffs. at Justin
2: Verlander's stats in his first two World Series and, well, well, and versus, that versus first World three series, post, postseason That
3: first World Series in 2008, he was just a closer. He was a rookie. He came in. 2006. No, he's talking about Price. Oh, you're talking about Price you're talking about Price. you are talking about Verlander. No, 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 Price in 2008. He was yep. just a hard-throwing rookie who came in. He got him to the— Adam If Vander, you remember, he, he helped.
1: skips AAA. He, he's 20 years old in that.
3: That's they, what I'm saying. They, so it, they're a little weighted stats, but he is not very good in the playoffs.
1: But look at the games he started. They've been terrible. Yeah,
3: he's 0-4 starting and in the ju- playoffs. And, and
1: they want to move Justin Verlander to the bullpen. And Justin Verlander oh, is the— Don't. Okay, I'm well, not have saying— to move one long. of them. I'm Get just saying, you're going to move Porcello. Everyone knows that. 100%. Because you just have no choice. Yeah. But when you look at it, they want to talk about Justin Verlander is your worst starter. No, he's not. Not even close. No. Justin Verlander in the playoffs has done it and has won Cy Young's. And when you look at who has a better rotation, I think as a whole, it's Detroit. But Oakland's strategy is different. John Lester's going back to Boston at the end of the season. That's why this is such a heavy gamble. You just gave away Jonas Cespedes for John Lester. in a, a chance that you can win the World Series this year.
2: chance to beat the Tigers. And That's they're, what they're trying but, to do. And they're Are, banking on winning every single game 1-0 because... That's what they do. I mean, I mean,
3: and you just gave up your middle hitters.
2: Yeah, exactly. They gave up their biggest power threat with, uh, well, maybe the second biggest power threat. Not
1: cesspit, uh, as I would give you that.
2: Yeah, okay. but
1: but when you look at it, they're not. They might not even be the best team in the division. Oakland. Look at the Angels, well, sixty-six and forty-four. That team is built totally differently. All offense. What if you can't stymie their offense? I don't know if Detroit can beat Oakland in a series.
2: Oakland or Los Angeles. Both. Who would you, who, now I want to, I have a question for you. Who would you rather see if you're Detroit? Who would I rather face? Yeah. Oakland or LA? Probably
1: Oakland. I. I've probably got, Oakland. I'd Be, have
2: to say the same.
1: Because Oakland, you can good offense is stymied by good pitching. But you're probably like, well, Fino, then why didn't you pick Los Angeles? The reason why I'm not saying the Angels is because when you have two good pitchers, it's just a duel. And that comes down to it. You talk about black and white, Tony. Well, guess what? You have better hitters than Oakland. I don't know if Detroit arguably has better hitters than Los Angeles. The Angels have very good hitters.
2: Absolutely. That's the first half of the equation. And the second half, I believe, is just the way that Detroit plays wanna, at both of these ballparks.
1: I mean, you want to talk about, like, the Angels. For, yes, how Detroit plays in these ballparks. Fine. The Angels in the regular season, second in runs in the MLB, third in batting average, fifth in on base percentage, fourth in slugging percentage. They're by far the best offense in baseball. And if anyone else thinks they're not, you're not watching baseball. They are the best offense. And in my in my opinion, good pitching stops that. But to me, the Angels are a different animal because they have some good pitchers. But at the same time, they have one of the best hitters in baseball, Faith. No doubt. No doubt about it.
2: They certainly. J- sir- they certainly do, and not to mention, I assume you you were alluding to Mike Trout being one of those best hitters, and what's funny is you're not even certain when you're talking about a team like this because you could – be talking about Albert Pujols. They're the only They're the only team... That or Josh has, Hamilton. Exactly, with Josh Hamilton at the four. They're the only, even though that's their 2-3-4 and the Tigers' uh, big power area is their 3-4-5 with Cabrera Martinez-Martinez. That is the only middle of the order that can compare to the Detroit Tigers. And I would say when the Tigers are rolling, they can be as potent of an offense as the Angels, but by and large, consistently, yeah. I would have to give it to Anaheim also because they're in a more hitter-friendly yeah. ballpark.
1: Yeah, they are, but you know, when people were saying Albert Pujols is done, Albert Pujols is not done. He's got 205 total bases, 466 slugging, 20 homers. Albert Bruce again is going to have over 30 home runs. No one's talking about it. Josh Hamilton has been oft injured, but he will be big if he's healthy. Now, that's a big if. Fine. Josh
2: Hamilton is the X factor for that team, and I've been saying it since he got so traded all, there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and well, he signed there. Okay, excuse then, me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank but you. the thing is, when it, you look at it, it's a crapshoot, John Yales. You don't know what's going to happen. It's an arms race. But to me, the American League is so stacked, you don't know where the dominoes and chips are going to fall.
3: I think it's it's going to come down to Oakland, I think. They're, they've had our number, and I think it's going to be us. Yeah, they've had Detroit's number since the last two years, since 2006. They've been trying to get us. They went out and got Lester. They gave up Cespedes. I think they're going all out, just like we're trying to go all out. Like you said, we might be a little smarter about it, setting ourselves up for next year. But Which is why I love but what they're doing. We're both doing the same thing. We're going all out for a World Series this year. Or, Oakland might just be going all out to get to a World Series. We're going all out to win one.
0: I'm swinging it back kind of towards the Tigers, like you're saying. But um, you, I do want to bring up the article that you wrote. You wrote it a little bit earlier in July. But you wrote about how Austin Jackson would be the key in the future to Detroit. What? And, you know, obviously they lost out on Austin Jackson, uh, highly regarded minor league shortstop, Willie Adams, um, uh, Drew Smiley. So looking at these guys, though, I just had a question for you as in out of those three guys, do you think Detroit lost out on Austin Jackson the most or?
2: That's actually a really good question. Stunned. I would say Go I would ahead. say no. I would say that Smiley was probably a bigger loss, even though I had that to say about Jackson, because I wasn't saying necessarily long term that Jackson was the key to the Tigers, but more on a day to day basis, he he was he was the catalyst when he was in the offense. As Jackson went, the Tigers went, and I mean the numbers were overwhelming in that regard when he was leading off and. He, he was hitting over 300 the tigers had like a like a 670 win percentage and when he's in the middle of the order they were a game or two under 500 he's hitting uh under the mendoza line which is 200 it, it was it was terrible that being said drew smiley was a left-handed pitcher who could either be a bullpen pitcher or a starter depending on the situation you needed him in and and he was young and had some good stuff
0: and I agree with that. I mean, Jackson, great outfielder. I mean, no, you know, nobody's Stupendous. doubting that. Um, veteran, except for you know, his contract was going to be up in 2015, so he's going to hit free agency, and obviously, he's going to want that spike of money. Um, and so, I really don't think that Detroit was going to hold on to him. I think at that point, they were probably going to let him go. Uh, but like you said, Smiley, he's a young guy. Tigers drafted him, really developed him, and he's performed nonetheless. But you know, my thing with jackson is that he struck out 699 times in the five seasons at detroit and that's more than any other tiger and obviously that's gonna hurt you big time if you can't score those runs and if you keep striking out i don't see why you're there
1: well the thing is is austin jackson to me was just a story of a well it was just a byproduct of i think detroit wanted to keep him i just thought look they got when it came no, Faith, You got to
0: give and take. I mean, it's you're obviously wheeling and dealing here, so obviously they had to give him up for price. Yeah, yeah,
1: you had to give him up for price, but I'm just saying for what you gave away, you don't have a backup plan, which is why you're showing you're going all in, and this is why Dave Dombrowski texted uh, Billy Bean and joked, you have one minute to quiet Chris Sale.
3: Yeah, but I want to get back. The one guy you're forgetting is Willie Adams, the 18-year-old, and I just wanted to kind of get your perspective. To An get- 18-year-old? I know everyone has their perspective on prospects and stuff like that, but what I'm trying to get at is we gave up our number four or number three and number four to get Soria, and we just gave up our number five to get um, Price. Is that a concern? Do you guys get like that's three of no. our top that's three of no. our top five of a weak no. farm system?
1: Guys, I'm so over prospects. Like you guys don't understand because you're not Mets fans. Like the Mets just talk about all oh, how they have the best prospects. Who
2: cares? Cubs have had the best farm system in the league Who for like cares? 10 years.
1: Because when you're Detroit and you're built in this position where you can buy and acquire talent in the free agent market, I don't care about the products, and I don't care about the prospects. You go out there and try to win the game.
3: I think you saw that from Tampa too. They wanted a legitimate starter and smiley rather than a couple young guys that they could have got from somewhere well,
1: else. And when it came down to it, they couldn't afford to keep price, and they were doing what they could to keep and acquire Someone that is MLB ready that will hold that spot in the rotation. That's what
3: I mean. They wanted someone ready. They didn't. Like Tampa usually will take those projects. They'll take Will Myers. They'll take those guys who will turn out in three, four years maybe. But this time I I think they wanted a legitimate guy who can go in and pitch.
1: Tampa will be fine. Don't worry about Tampa. Tampa is very smart. If there's one team that's smart, it's Tampa Bay.
0: I mean, here's the thing, though. Some prospects do turn out very well and some don't. I mean, mean, Tigers traded for Miggy. Who was a rookie at that time? You know they traded one of their prospects who ended up being nothing. And Andrew, we, no, traded we like three Miguel, of them. Yeah, we we get Miguel Cabrera. Whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa!
1: When they acquired Miguel Cabrera, he had a many. He he was established for a couple seasons. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I that's that's corrected. totally different. So you know Miguel Cabrera, if I can believe, he was his rookie year was. And I'm going to check this up real quick. His rookie year was the 2003 season. It was. It was so he went. He's already been to the World Series, and he won it as a rookie. So (laughs) Miguel Cabrera, people forget, he has won. So Miguel Cabrera was very established when they acquired him. And the funny part about it is he's already played on the Marlins for five seasons. And that being said, when Detroit acquired him, he had four straight season faith. All right, so uh, over 100. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to prove you wrong. I'm just saying this is a guy that's proven. And really done it. And he's one of the best hitters in baseball. He he
3: was proven that he was a legitimate MLB player. But he wasn't proven to be a perennial all-star. And it was worth giving up.
1: What are you talking about? He's made the all-star game four years in a row before they acquired him.
3: No, but I mean, like, he wasn't the Miguel Cabrera that they thought. That's why we could give up Cameron Mabin, Andrew Miller, Mike Ribello, those types of people for all these names no one's ever heard of anymore for For, Miguel Cabrera, the only name that anyone in Detroit knows.
2: He was terrible. On. I got. I got to go back to something, because okay. I'm because I'm still stuck on everyone and and I mean I do mean everyone using the using the phrase that uh, like that it's all in and that world, series are, world, all in. world Series or bust. They are all World Series or bust. I don't think just, they are. Can do, do? we remember that guy a year or two back by the name of Prince Fielder? That was a two hundred and fourteen million dollar all in World Series or bust pedal to which the metal. Was. This is it which type it, move. Which and, it was. But then how? Then how could after. A, a tri- Tony, After two failed was- seasons, then a trade, it was then an up-and-down an up season, how are the Tigers right back in a better position than that because, 2012 because season?
1: Because Prince Fielder, there was an off-the-field issue that I'm aware of that sources have told me that he did not get along with guys in the dugout and he did not get along with people within that organization. So they were all in. He wanted to be moved. They were willing to move him. And that's why Detroit ate a lot of his contract to deal him, and they're paying a good portion of that contract.
2: The fans didn't help. I'm just saying it's not the first time that the Tigers have believed, or or Tigers fans have believed that this is this is it. If if if, if it doesn't happen now, but I can see then, happening well, next year. Yeah,
3: you who, still have
2: if you. If lose Scherzer
3: your... walks out, you basically replace him with Price. So is, Why, why don't you have just as good of a chance? You get Iglesias you do, coming back. But you, you might s- have a better team. But you're not going to
1: have as good as a rotation as you do this year. Cur- is that you still 100%. have four of five starters? Uh, I, oh, that's not what I, I said. The and if rotation, Joe Nathan knows how
2: to pitch, if you're moving you Max Scherzer, <laughs> you don't have the, as good of a rotation, right? You're because right, you're going to you
1: know. lose Max Scherzer. So you're all in, in that aspect, rotation-wise, to compete with Oakland. I don't think Oakland's going to be this good next year. I don't because I think they made a critical mistake getting rid of Cespedes. Better for Tigers. Yeah. But you gotta sleep on the you gotta watch on the Angels. That's I, what it comes
2: down to. I refuse to ever speak on the Oakland Athletics because I've been writing them off since 2006. Then I had to do it again in 12. Then I had to do it again in 13. And until the Tigers have beaten them in the ALDS, like they have the last three times, and they're absolutely in the rearview mirror, they have Guys, they have a lot of my. The attention. thing
1: with Oakland, I'll tell you why I'm not a fan of Oakland. I don't like the way they do baseball. First of all, Justin Verlander owns
2: Oakland in the playoffs. Owns him. Hell yeah, he does.
1: And the thing is, my boy. And when and when it comes down to it, okay, Justin Verlander against Oakland, I'll take that bet every time. Oakland, the year they won 22 straight games in the regular season, they got to the ALDS. Oakland Athletics is literally Oakland ALDS Athletics. (laughs) That's all they are. Until they get to the championship series. Call me. I don't think they're going to do it this year because I think there's two better teams ahead of them. They have the rotation. They're trying to be different, but when it comes down to it, I think Detroit's trying to mix it up, and that's what it comes down to. This acquisition was trying to mix it up and go all in real quick, Tone.
2: So who's gonna who's gonna beat Oakland in the ALDS? Because it's not appearing as if the Tigers are going to line up with them. It appears they're on the collision course for the ALCS. If that, if both teams were to make it. That uh, it, it it really depends. Who wins the East? What I what I've been thinking it might happen. Baltimore has a chance. Is say say Baltimore wins the East. The Angels and yep. Mariners both are no. the next two wild cards out of the West. Two wild cards out of the West. <laughs> I'm calling the Angels beat the Mariners. Angels then play the A's. Like you like the Angels, they beat the A's. Good the insight. Tigers see the Angels somehow yep. end the curse in Los Angeles, get to the World Series. Boom. Good we just stuff, want it.
1: Thanks so much for spending time with us here on the Pact on WDBM, and we'll continue to embrace the sparring debate every Monday from 7-8 from the basement of Holden Hall for myself for Faith Krogalecki thanks guys John Yo behind the glass and Tyler Beck our tweeter Tone thanks so much for spending time with us debating Tigers hey keep it here you can check on our website for a podcast if you missed the show you know Faith John Tony and Tyler Beck behind the glass thanks so much for listening everyone catch us next week I promise it'll be a big big show heard it right here the bet's on I owe you dinner and we'll say that's what's up on the pack, 89 FM. Catch you next week.